Welcome to the Christian Life Austin Sunday Morning Podcast. Today, Pastor Brad Wilkinson brings us a message entitled, This is Illogical. In this sermon, we will dive into the book of Luke and learn about the illogical ministry of Jesus Christ. And now, here's Pastor Brad Wilkinson. If you have your Bibles, let's... uh... Let's turn to Luke chapter 15, verse 1, and as you're turning there, hey, yeah, if you want to stand for the reading of the Word out of respect for the Word of God, that would be amazing. Let me also put another smile on your face and let you know that Wednesday night, Pastor Rex will be starting a new series. So don't miss Wednesday night. It's going to be awesome. Our our senior pastor will be in this pulpit. Um, Luke chapter 15, verse number 1, the Bible would read like this. Then all of the tax collectors and sinners drew near to him to hear him. And the Pharisees and the scribes complained. Listen, when you complain about me, this is how I want you to complain about me. Watch. This man receives sinners and eats with them. You can be seated. When you complain about me, please let that be the complaint about me. Now, obviously, when you're eating with somebody today, it would be completely different than if you were eating with somebody in the days that Jesus walked this earth. It's something a little bit different. In the Bible days, right, to eat with someone was, more, was one of the more intimate um, social expressions that one could make. To eat with someone communicated, you and I are friends, we have relationships. In that day, it was an event. It wasn't fast food, it wasn't like drive-through from Wendy's to pick up chili in the fall. For those of you that haven't had Wendy's chili in the fall, it's amazing. Just... I guess I'm hungry. I'm sorry. I don't know where that came from. In fact, it would have been very time-consuming to eat with someone in the Bible days. You, You would pretty much have to commit an entire morning or an entire afternoon if you were going to eat with someone. And so... These religious leaders of the time, they they spot Jesus spending hours with really bad people. And so they complained, essentially saying, this man befriends horrible people. That was their complaint. And so verse number three, Jesus spoke to them saying... And so from here, Jesus actually, he would give us three short stories. And these short stories were actually given as a response to the complaint that was just made against him. In other words, these three stories that he's about to to tell us, they exist to let us know why a holy, sinless, and just God hangs out with really bad people. And if there was ever like an explanation needed, right, if there was ever um, an interesting concept to study, this would be that concept. It would be at the very top of the list. 
if there is a God, right, and he's perfect and he's just and he's holy, why is it or, or even how could he love, right? How, how could he even be interested and take time with bad or sinful people? This is, this is a very unique situation and I love the way that Jesus responds here because he doesn't respond with some you know, boring, static answer, but instead he gives us three beautiful short stories. And the first, you're familiar with all three, really. The first is of a shepherd. A shepherd who has a hundred sheep, but he counts them and he realizes that only 99 are present. And he leaves the 99 and he, he goes after the one. And he finds the one. And then he throws a party for the one. The second story is of a woman who has 10 beautiful coins and she counts them and she notices in this moment that she only has nine of her beautiful coins and so she turns her house upside down and finally finds the coin and then invites some friends over and they too have a party. And then the third story would read like this in the same chapter continuing down to verse number 11. Then he said, A certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in that land, and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country. And he sent him into the fields to feed swine. And he would have gladly filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate. And no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough to spare? And I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against Heaven and before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And he said to the father, and he said, and the son said to him, "Excuse me, father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight, and am no longer worthy to be called your son." But the father said to his servants, I love this, bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and put sandals on his feet. Did you notice that his dad here really kind of ignores this boy's request? He he kind of ignores the, the prepared speech that the son has and he just skips right over it. And he says, and bring the fatted calf. And kill it. Let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive. He was lost and he is found. And they began to party. (laughs) Flip over in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith. That not of yourselves is the gift of God. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. 
you understand this concept as well as I do, um, everything that we believe, everything that Jesus propagated or preached hinges on one word, and that word is gift. The essence of our belief system is based upon this one word, gift. A gift, right, ceases to be a gift, though, when upon its reception, one attempts to pay someone back. Can I just pause for just a moment and let you know this morning at the beginning of our time together that Christianity and this relationship with Jesus, this journey that you and I are on together, has absolutely nothing to do with us paying something back for what he did for us, right? There's nothing that you can do, there's nothing that I can do that will ever be able to repay what he did for you and for me. There's no words that you can say, there's no deed that you can conjure up, there's nothing that you and I can do to ever repay what he did for us. And so here's a, here's a question that we ask, whether verbally or internally. What am I worth? What am I worth? Maybe you ask it in a different form. Who am I? What am I all about? And the essence of these questions that pass through our brain is worth. What am I worth? And and the obvious next question would be this. How do I answer that question? What is the list of things that goes through my mind, the checklist, if you will, that I run through, that I determine this all-important question of what am I worth? Some of you, right, will look in the mirror and say, I must be worth something. I mean, look at my hair. (laughs) Woo! Looks good today. My eyes are properly aligned and my ears, they match. My lips are perfect. My teeth are bright and shiny white. I must be worth, I look pretty good. Maybe it's not physical looks for you. Maybe it's status. Do we look at status? I must be worth something. I have an enormous amount of friends. I mean, the iPhone that I carry around in my pocket really doesn't have space enough to contain all the people and the information of people that want to spend time with me. I'm kind of a big deal, if you know what I mean. My schedule is always full. I I always have someone to go to lunch with or to spend time with. I'm a manager. I'm an owner. I'm pretty good at what I do. My spouse is this or my spouse is that. I I must be worth something. Typically, we're, we're not asking this question in front of people, but privately... We run through this, uh, we, we run this through our minds, this criteria, and we all have our criteria. And I would be willing to say today that the most prevalent criteria is closely related to our deeds or to our actions this morning. What am I worth? What, uh, what, I've got to be worth something. I'm a good person. I do good things for people. I'm generous. I love senior citizens. I've helped 12 elderly ladies across the street this week. I'm a good person. Y'all haven't helped 12 people across the street this week? I hold the door open for people. I tip big when I go to restaurants. What, What am I worth? 
Well, I read my Bible every year. <laughs> I haven't missed church this entire year. What, what am I? What, I'm a good person. I don't hurt anybody. Uh, surely, I, I've got to be worth something. And all of these answers are, are very telling and extremely revealing. And here's what they all say. We believe that worth is earned. Let's be honest for a moment. To some extent, you and I believe that worth is earned. And after reading Luke chapter 15, we see that the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the religious leaders of this time, like us, they saw life this way. That worth would be earned. And using this seemingly logical and sane perspective, they complained about Jesus in this moment. And it seems, it seems kind of reasonable, doesn't it? It, it really seems kind of, what, what they're saying is this, here we are living holy lives, many of whom wouldn't have been given in marriage because they were such devoted followers of God. Th- these They prayed hours a day, given to to crazy study, dedicated to a holy life. At times, would have been would have isolated themselves from the amenities of life. And based upon observation, these people were the good guys. These these were the guys that had it all together. These were the good ones. They had earned their social status. They had earned the right to even look down on other people based upon the level that they were living their life at. And somehow, uh, when we read the Bible, I I feel sometimes that we've concluded that these Pharisees and these Sadducees were kind of dumb people. But that couldn't be further from the truth. They were extremely normal. These were not ignorant people at all. In fact, they were reasonable men who have the ability to think logically based upon normal human experiences. So it must be true that worth is earned. And so being the reasonable men that they were, uh, they asked Jesus, Jesus, this... This makes no sense. If you claim to be God, which means that you're claiming to be flawless, you're claiming to be perfect and just and righteous and holy. And these men would have understood the implications of claiming to be the Messiah. These religious leaders understood and it made absolutely zero sense. If indeed you are who you claim to be, sir then why, why on earth would you befriend people who do not deserve it? It doesn't compute in my, it makes absolutely no sense to me. Why why would you do this? Based upon their interpretation of the scripture and their life experiences, these people that Jesus was spending time with needed to work harder. They needed to work harder at life about being better. They needed to work harder. And sometimes I think that we get the idea, maybe it's just me, I won't put it on you, that Jesus was only hanging out with 
like single moms who had been slighted by their ex-husbands. And he did. But he also hung out with people who were cheating people to make a living. Jesus was, was hanging around with the drug lords of his time. He was hanging around with the pimps of his time. People who were hurting li- little kids. These, these were not good people at all. He's hanging around with, with women who have made a conscious decision to sell their body for money. Sometimes we, we think Jesus was just friends with the lowly, the people that had been beaten down by life. And yes, he was. But some had beaten themselves down as well. It was by their own making and their own decisions. He was hanging out with people who knew what they were doing and they liked it. These, ladies and gentlemen, were not good people. And so could it be, right, that we step back now and we we look at this situation and, well, I kind of get it. I mean, uh, it kind of makes sense, their argument here. I mean, logically thinking, hmm. Why would you, Jesus, hang out with people who seemingly don't deserve it? Would I be on their side if I were in that day? Jesus, you have no business hanging out with that type of people. I'm okay with little sinners, you know. But them? Uh... Jesus, I'm not so sure. Hmm. As a matter of fact, Jesus, while we're at this, why aren't you hanging out with me? Why aren't you spending time with me? Well, I I don't understand that. I mean, I'm a good person. I don't hurt other people. Why aren't you spending time? It just doesn't make much sense. Look at him. He's befriended sinners. And he's taken a crazy amount of time to show interest in who they are. Who are you? What what is happening? This is so illogical. I don't understand. This is not a passing hello and a high five. No, no, no. Jesus knows them by name. And he is intentionally cultivating a relationship with these bad people. This is the scenario in which we are in. And these people are up in arms, as perhaps a lot of us would be. And so Jesus, in his infinite wisdom and knowledge, wants to respond to the criticism that's coming his way. And boy, does he respond. He starts by telling a story. There was a man who had a hundred sheep. And when he counts, he realizes that he only has 99 now. And so he leaves the 99 and he goes in search of the one. And when he finds the one, he throws a party for the one. I don't know where that just came from. I apologize. He throws, I don't understand. What? You got 99. 
One wandered off. Okay, it's one. You still got 99, Jesus. Really not that big of a deal. I don't claim to be a mathematician, but I do understand this, that 99 has a much greater some value than one. And you've lost one. You still got 99, sir. This is crazy. He continues. There's a lady who has 10 beautiful coins. This is my best Jesus voice. She counts them again and only has nine. That's why I grew my beard out today a little bit. She only had, and things get wild right here. She only had, literally, she's walking through the house in search of the one. Mattresses are flying across the room. Couch cushions are being where they shouldn't be in places that they are now because she didn't care about what happened. She's turning the house upside down in search for the one. And she finds the one. What is going on here? Ladies and gentlemen, if your spouse were to live like this, it would drive you insane. Honey, it's a dollar. The kids have tore the house up enough. The cushions have already been on the floor one time today building forts. I don't want to have to pick up after you too. Maybe that's just my life. Forts are huge at my house. It's crazy. Logically, mathematically, somebody here needs to just calm down. You just need to relax a little bit. You're kind of going to the extreme here, and I don't really get it. In fact, I don't think anybody understands this. Come on, you're, you're human. You can misplace something. You win some, you lose some. But the shepherd and the lady are not logical at all. They're not logical at all. And here's the part about Christianity that I believe a lot of us have a difficult time understanding. God is illogical. He doesn't think like you. He doesn't think like me. There's times when I don't understand why he would love me because of my past and the things that I've done. And he still continues to... What? This makes absolutely no sense. Some of us in the house don't deserve to have the blessings that you're living with right now. You don't deserve it. You can't explain it. Can I tell you why you, don't, you can't explain it? Because we don't deserve it, but he loves us enough. He loves us in spite of us. It's not logical. I know it's confusing. I know it doesn't seem to make sense. Hey, who's, who's protecting the 99 while you're out searching for the one? When it comes to people, when it comes to humanity, he never plays it safe. When it comes to lost people, when it comes to people that need to know him, you can guarantee, if you're wondering what Jesus would do, he would drop everything at the the drop of a hat and just run and find the person who is calling him. This is what he's about. This is what he does. He never plays it safe when it comes to his children. 
Who, who's protecting the 99 while you're, you're out looking for the one? You see, that's the way that you and I think, but he does not think this way. Who leaves 99 for one? Who leaves a house in total disarray because they have lost one coin? One coin! It's not about a sheep. It's not about a coin. This is about you and it's about me. It's about humanity. It has nothing to do with a little coin and a sheep running around. No, but it has everything to do with you and with me. Why do I hang out with these people? Why? Because they are of infinite value to me. Because I care about them more than you can begin to understand. There's no way that you can even set your mind to comprehend the way that I love you and the way that I feel about you. There's just absolutely no way. Why do I love them? Because it's who I am. And I know it doesn't make sense to you. Stop trying to figure it out. Just let me love you. You see what Jesus is doing, don't you? He's... He's putting a mathematical equation in place to show us how much he values you and I. Our society does it. We go to the store, you look at a shirt, you shop at TJ Maxx like me, you'll know that the shirt is about $14.99. But Jesus gives us a tag. He gives us a number. How much is an individual worth? How much? It's, it's illogical. It's ridiculous. In fact, it seems to be insane and it makes absolutely no sense. Who operates this way? Who, who operates with this mindset? Nobody. You'll never meet anybody. You'll never be introduced. You have never met anybody that operates this way. He says, I am the only one that is capable of operating this way. And some might say, well, the shepherd is wasting his time. There's no guarantee that when you find the one, that the 99 will even be here when you get back. While your house is turned upside down and you're searching for one coin, what if you misplace all nine? Christianity, this God that we're, we're talking about today, the maker of the heaven and the earth is not like you and he's not like me. Why do you hang out with bad people? Well, because I'm like a shepherd. Why do you hang out with bad people? Well, because I'm like a woman who has misplaced a coin collection. Why do you hang out with bad people? Because I'm like a father who has two sons. The third parable told to us by Jesus is uniquely different. Than the first two. And it's different in this way. A sheep can't talk. I think. Uh, is that the right noise for a sheep? A coin can't talk. But a son is different. A son can talk, and he does some talking in this story, doesn't he? He, he, gets in, he gets in his own way in this story. A sheep is a beast. It's an animal. And we can give this animal the benefit of the doubt, right? It has instincts. So, mm, mm, oh, mm, grass, I'll go over here. 
Maybe that's what happened and it wanders off the beaten path and it goes off by itself. A coin. Well, lady, it's really your fault. I can't lose myself here. You know what I'm saying? I'm an inanimate object. You, you kind of lost me. But a son, a son, there's no wiggling your way out of this one, son. You did this all by yourself and you did it all to yourself. So the boy goes to his dad, right? He says, dad, I want my inheritance. He gets his inheritance. He moves to Amsterdam, lives a crazy, wild lifestyle. He, he makes this decision. Nobody's forced him to make this decision. Nobody made him do it. He's not an animal. He's not a coin. He's a human being with his own soul, his own will, his own ability to make the right choice or the wrong choice. The story progresses. The this, this son comes to his senses and he's in... A pig pen, right? Man, I got to go home. I got to get home. And he comes up with, with this strategy. I'm going to see if, if dad will hire me as an employee because I know that based upon my deeds that I'm not welcome in the family any longer. And so he gets home and he talks to his father and based upon his previous actions, this is a statement. Father, have sinned against heaven and before you. And I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me one of your hired servants. He uses the word worthy here. This boy is, is dealing with his identity and he's concluded. It's very clear by his speech that he's concluded that worth is earned. I'm no longer worthy to be a part of the family, so maybe dad will accept me as an employee and I can earn and work for my pay. Can I tell you, Jesus, Jesus is preaching here. With these responses to these religious leaders, Jesus may have a smile on his face and a nice looking beard, but he's bearing down and preaching to these people in this moment. And so uh, the boy journeys home. And when he was in the distance, his dad sees him. Evidently, evidently, dad had been looking for him. And he runs and he, he, he runs and he grabs the boy and he starts to kiss the boy. And somewhere in the embrace, the son is trying to get his prepared speech out. He, this thing that he's, you know, figured out, and this is what I'm going to say when I get home, to make everything to kind of smooth it over so I can fit back in. His speech is never acknowledged. It's as if his dad didn't even hear what he had to say. He's just so happy that his son is home that he doesn't really care about any of that stuff right now. And then something, I can't wrap my head around this. Something absolutely just stunning and amazing happens. Ridiculous really would be a, a better word. The son gets rewarded. What? Yeah, you get rewarded. It's like he's just come home with a business degree from Harvard or something. He gets re that's really all you can call it. But no, it's absolutely the opposite. He comes home losing everything that his dad had given him in a state of brokenness with nothing to his name. What? He, he, rewarded. His dad throws a party. For a kid who had lost everything he had been given. This, 
What? I'm so confused. I, I can't wrap my head around it. No, no, you can't. No, you can't. You, you, you can't understand it. Absolutely not. And the people that are hearing Jesus teach in that day are like, okay, uh, the sheep, I get the, the coin, I get. I didn't see that one coming. Uh, you, you throw him a party? What? Three things the shepherd, the woman, and the father, all exactly the same. They search, they find, they recover, and they celebrate. You know why I hang out with bad people? You know why I hang out with sinners, with people that you don't think deserve it? Like, can I tell you? Because I am grace. That's the only reason that I hang out with these people, because of grace. They don't deserve it. I get it. Neither do you. But guess what? I love them just like I love you, and you'll never understand it. You'll never get it. But it's because of grace. Only grace. 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 Why are we throwing a party for this kid? Because of grace. That's the only reason we're throwing a party. Worth is not earned. It's only received. And here's where the problem lies for much of humanity. We, we can't get past this can't earn, only received. No, no, it has to be earned. Cause and effect. Logic. I don't get it. It has to be earned, Ephesians 2 and 8. We read it, for by grace you have been saved through faith and not that of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. What is grace? What is grace? I heard somebody say this about grace, that grace is God meeting man. At their very point of need. Grace is God meeting man at their very point of need. Listen, you and I cannot set up a meeting with God. Many of us can't get out of the state of Texas on our own, right? Like we're, Some of us live south. And you try to get north and you get lost. Some of us live on the east side. We're trying to get west. And we don't, if, we, if it wasn't for Google, we would all be lost. <laughs> Go ahead. Try to set up a meeting with God. Try, try to put it in on your iPhone. Try to make it happen. Schedule God for an appointment. Where will you meet him? Where will you find him? How will you garner his attention? Hear me this morning, church. No, listen. God meets with man. God comes to man. God wrapped himself in flesh and walked this earth and extended grace and extended worth and extended acceptance because of who he is. Can I tell you this morning, listen, I don't know who you are. I don't know your stories, many of you. I don't know where you come from. I don't know what your dreams and your future, your hopes. I don't know any of that, but here's what I do know. It does not matter to God what you've done, where you've been, how bad of a situation you have created for yourself. Listen, he will do the illogical. He will do the seemingly insane, the crazy, unthinkable things to get you to find you right where you are. 
But Brad, you don't know how bad. No, no, no. It doesn't matter. It's illogical. I can't contain it. I can't understand it. He will find you and he will pick you up and he will bring you home and he will celebrate you. Why? Because of grace. Why? Because of grace. Because each and every individual is of infinite value to him. Your worth was given to you before you were born. You can try to devalue infinite value, but you you can't devalue it. You will always be of infinite value to him. Worth is not earned. Like everything else with God, it's not achieved. It's received. Randy, if you'll help me, sir. And you know, the interesting thing about this is this was, this was a struggle for the 12 people that were closest to Jesus as well. And you would think that the people that laughed with him and ate with him and, you know, walked with him would understand this concept a little bit more than, than you and I, right? Watch this. Mark 10, 13 through 15. Then they brought little children to him that he might touch them. But the disciples rebuked those who brought them. In essence, there's some moms and some dads bringing some kids to Jesus. And these disciples, because they're children, right? Because of their value on the worth scale... Hey, 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 now, listen, get them out of here. Don't you understand that we've got bigger fish to fry here? I mean, there's miracles that this man has to go perform. There's, there's blind eyes that need to be open. There's deaf ears that need to be, no, no, no. Take the little children away. Remove them from this man's sight. But when Jesus saw it, he was greatly Displeased, and he said to them, Let the little children come to me and do not forbid them, for of such is the kingdom of God. Watch, watch. 15 would say this Assuredly, I say to you, assuredly means this is fact. Pay close attention. I mean what I say in this moment. Whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it. Then he took them up in his arms, laid his hands on them, and he blesses them. What? These are just children. I mean, there's a lot of things that you got to go do, Jesus. There's a lot of important people that you need to meet with. There's a lot of miracles that need. There's there's some really hurting people. These are just children. I tell you this morning that he's not only interested in taking children in his arms and wrapping them up, laying his hands on them and blessing them. He's interested in taking you and I in his arms, squeezing us so tight, saying, I got you. You're mine. It's okay. You mean the world to me. 
I know people have tried to push you away from me. I know what they just said about you and that you're of little value, but can I just stop in this moment and tell you how much you mean to me? Come here, come here. got a five-year-old named Windsor, and I want you to watch this played out at Christmas, okay? If you watch Christmas, you can see an amazing thing. Windsor, I've never given him a gift. Uh, It's never happened, and I don't think it will ever happen, where he responded with this, wow, Dad, thanks, I'll pay you back. Now, they don't think like that yet. They just think of in terms of, you're my dad. Of course, you're going to give me gifts. And then you and I, we get spiritual, right? And we're like, oh, we got, there's bigger things to take care of. Hey, moms and dads, calm down. Don't bring your kids this way. We're, we're busy. We got things to do. And Jesus is saying in this moment, are you serious? This is what it's all about. This is exactly how I want you to be. And he picked him up, lays his hands on him, and he blesses him. This is what I want to do with humanity. Could you just be quiet? Could you just be quiet and let me hold you? But, but God, but God, I, with our prepared speeches, right? God, I, I, God I'm not going to get any more divorces. I, I'm going to work really hard at my marriage this time. I don't even acknowledge what you're saying right now. Just let me hold you. Let me bless you. Let me celebrate you. God, I know that I've used again and again, and I told you that I wouldn't. I'm going to get clean. It's gonna ha- I'm not going to be an addict any longer. I promise you this time. Shh. At what point do you think that what you put in your veins trumps the blood that flows through his? Just let me hold you. You don't have to say anything. It doesn't really matter where you've been or what you've done. I just want to hold you in this moment. I want to restore you. I want to heal you. I want to give you back what he's stolen from you. Shh. Just let me hold. But God, I want to play my part. I I want to do what, what I have to do. Yeah, okay. Here's your part. Let go and fall into my everlasting arms. Just stand with me all across the house. Our prayer partners are making their way to the front. Listen, I know that this moment may not be for everybody, but here's what I know. 
I know that there's some people in the house today who need to stop worrying about this wonderful speech that you've prepared of why you've done the things that you've done and why things have always been this way. Listen, today, today you just need to, you need to do your part, yeah. Let go and fall into his arms in a way that maybe you haven't fallen into his arms in a long time. Well, Brad, I mean, I I really haven't made that many bad mistakes. You know, this message really didn't resonate with me. Listen, maybe you've been in this thing a long time, and you've been in in great standing with God. You're, You're a religious leader amongst us, perhaps. But he's interested as well today in somebody that's been on this journey for a long time, but maybe you haven't gotten in his arms in a long time. He wants to hold you close today. He wants to restore you. He wants to heal you this morning. With every head bowed and every eye closed, here's what I want us to do today. As they begin to sing, if that's you, I want you to begin to make your way down here. Listen, it's not going to be some crazy prayer. No, this is just about you falling into the arms of grace. Falling into the arms of a Savior who loves you in spite of you. As you're making your way this way, listen, if you're not coming, would you throw your hands in the air? Would you begin to pray for your brothers and your sisters? God, I pray that you would touch my friends today who need to be wrapped in your arms one more time, Lord. God, it's not about what I've done or where I've been. God, I get it today. I don't deserve what you've blessed me with, Lord. I can't achieve it, but I receive your grace today. Go ahead, Lord. I let go this morning, and I fall into your everlasting arms. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And that concludes today's message. Please visit clcaustin.com for the latest news, to register for an upcoming event, or to support the Christian Life Ministry through our online giving portal. Thank you for listening.